Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> at Dan Grasso is where you can get me on Twitter and plenty to get to tonight. We are going to be in the presence, believe it or not. He has cleared his busy schedule. The great Anthony Becht is going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We will talk all things Jets-related, Giants-related, NFL-related, so we appreciate Anthony's input. So we haven't talked to him in a while. He'll be joining us coming up in about 90 minutes. And by the way, did I mention that Harvey Cruz and Julian Kushnick are here producing the program tonight? My pals, my buddies, and we're going to have ourselves a grand old time over the next two and a half hours right up until 9 p.m. So... Last night, understandably, was a big Jets show, right? Coming off of the game on Sunday, another disappointing loss to the New England Patriots. What else are you going to talk about, right? Talked about the Jets, talked about the rest of the NFL, so on and so forth. And, you know, the constant refrain from especially the fan base has been they want the Jets to go out and get themselves another quarterback. How in God's name have they not gotten another quarterback? How are you still riding with Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle? What happens, God forbid, if one of those guys goes down? Then you have no insurance policy, no backup. Well, you know what, fans? They finally, finally answered your prayers today because that quarterback room got a whole lot more crowded. That's right. There's one less available seat in the quarterback room, and it's a familiar face, right? Trevor Simeon is back in a Jet uniform. Now, those of you who say to yourself, oh, wait a sec, Trevor Simeon was a Jet. Oh, you bet he was. You bet he was. Remember that special season of 2019? When it began with a lot of optimism, and then uh, Jets had a 16-0 lead or whatever it was to the Bills in the third quarter, and then C.J. Mosley got hurt, and uh, the Bills scored whatever unanswered points, 17 unanswered points. Corey Vedvik missed about, like, three kicks that afternoon, and that was his one-and-done shot as the Jet place kicker, and they, they lost the opener. And then a couple days later, you find out Sam Darnold's got mono. He was out for a month, and then the first guy up was Trevor Simeon. And the Jets played that Monday night game in week two at home against the Cleveland Browns. And then Miles Garrett introduced himself to Trevor Simeon's ankle. And then that was the end of Trevor Simeon's time as a member of the New York Jets. But he's back. He's back and he's a veteran. You know, he's got plenty of experience. A lot of people forget, actually, that when the great Peyton Manning retired after the Broncos won that Super Bowl in 2015... Remember who their week one starting quarterback was the following year? Yeah, it was Trevor Simeon, believe it or not. Denver Broncos, like he played that game against Carolina, the season opener the following year on that Thursday night. Trevor Simeon, right? So, I mean, the guy's been around. He's got the experience factor. He's not a, you know, a a permanent solution by any stretch of the imagination. And also, some of you might have misremembered that Trevor Simeon faced the Jets last year. That's right. Thanksgiving weekend, pouring rain, MetLife Stadium, disguised in a Chicago Bears uniform. He was the quarterback that day against Mike White, that the Jets won the game by a score of 31-10. to 10. It was a great performance by Mike White in the pouring rain. But Simeon went 14-25, 179 yards, touchdown, and an INT. Remember, Justin Fields was hurt, and so there was a lot of 
back and forth. I remember that day in the pregame show, like we were getting conflicting reports from everybody that covers the NFL. Like this guy was starting for the Bears. This guy was starting for the Bears. This guy's going to be starting. That guy's going to be starting. I, I, you know, and then it ended up being Trevor Simeon. And I remember he took the Bears right down the field on the opening drive of the game, put it in the end zone against that Jet defense. So look, he's on the practice squad. Um, I would venture to guess that as soon as he's up to speed on the system, that he'll probably be activated to the regular roster. I don't know if it's going to be in time for Sunday to be some sort of an insurance policy for Zach Wilson and company. But tomorrow, Robert Sala is going to meet the media because it's Wednesday, right? They're back to work, getting ready for the next game, and that'll be the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Jets are almost a double-digit underdog against the defending champs. I think Taylor Swift alone is worth about a point and a half on the point spread. But barring something completely, completely shocking, Robert Sala is going to go up there tomorrow morning and tell the world that they still believe in Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's the guy. Zach Wilson's the quarterback. They've got to rally around Zach. And fans probably aren't going to be too happy right now. Because, look, you could spin it a million different ways to Sunday. It's not going to change the facts. Right? It's not going to alter the reality. And here's the reality right now. Jets have played three games. Every team in the NFL has played three games up until this point. And the Jets have the worst offense in the NFL. The worst. Not like second worst, third worst, or it's close. No, they're the worst offense in the NFL. They're last in yards. They're last in points. They're last when it comes to throwing the football. So those three metrics right there alone, pretty good indicator about the struggles that they've had so far. And essentially, it's been one guy, with the exception of four snaps, that has been the guy that's piloted this offense so far this year. Silver lining is that they're 22nd when it comes to running the football, so there's a positive, right? There's a little glimmer of hope. Commitment to the running game. Now, you could really look at it glass half full, like really, 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 and be the eternal optimist and say, well, you know, they've played three really tough defenses too out of the gate. Buffalo, Dallas, New England, those defenses are ranked second, fourth, and fifth in the NFL respectively. And then they're going to take on Kansas City coming up on Sunday night, and they're the sixth-ranked defense in the National Football League. You could be a cynic, and you could say, well, you know, those teams have high defensive rankings because they played the Jets. Yeah, I get it. Ha, ha, ha. But the fact of the matter is something's got to change. This is not good enough. You know, you could talk about whatever standard there is or whether it's you, whether it's the organization, whether it's the NFL, whatever it is, right? Something has to change because the output that you've gotten for the first three weeks of the season is just not good enough. It's not. And now everybody and their mother is weighing in on the state of affairs with this football team. And in a million years, we never thought that this would be the reality three weeks into the season. Like you look around, you go to your favorite website or publication, whatever the hell it is you read to consume your National Football League appetite. Everybody does the weekly power rankings. And I don't put a hell of a lot of stock into them, but I mean, like, you, just, you, you can't help but not notice it, right, when you're just scrolling through social media or whatever or on the Internet. And I'm looking at these, and, like, the Jets are generally falling somewhere from, like, 27 all the way down to the bottom of the NFL, right? One of, like, the handful of worst teams in the league. And I thought back, if I would have sat in this seat and said to you in July or August – That on September the 26th, like whatever weekly power ranking you consume, that the Jets would be that far down the bottom 
in the NFL. We would sit here and have to probably toss ideas out there as to what happened, right? How did things plummet to the extent that they have already, right? Did a meteor strike the building and they lost all of their equipment or something like that? Like, like what happened? You know, did the players all go on strike collectively and they had to sign guys off the street to play football for them for the first three weeks? Like it was the 87 strike all over again and you had scabs and replacement players, right? Like what was that? But no, right now you lost the one guy that you could ill afford to lose. The guy who's essentially irreplaceable. And if the first three weeks are any sort of an indication, you're damn right he's irreplaceable. Trevor Simeon aside, Trevor Simeon is not somebody that's coming in here and saving your season. And to be quite honest with you, based on what we've seen from the first three games of the season, I don't even know if you have anybody on this roster who can save the season. Not when you have the numbers that I just spit out to you about how woeful their offensive rankings have been so far to start the season. It's not good enough. It's got to be better. I mean, guys, we're not even talking about average, right? I mean, you would sign up for league average right now. If they went out there this week again, or whenever the hell they play another football game and they scored, let's say, 20 points, right, as an offense and put up, I don't know, 300 yards of offense, that would seem like the greatest show on turf compared to what we've seen so far this season. That would seem like the Miami Dolphins compared to what we've seen the first three games. And now you got a team that's coming in here. And they're going to go back to work tomorrow in the Kansas City Chiefs. That's looking at the Jets on film and saying to themselves, especially from a defensive standpoint, okay, we're going to get enough sleep this week trying to plan for this? Like, I don't think that it's rocket science. Copycat league in the NFL. I mean, shouldn't other teams do exactly what Bill Belichick did on Sunday? Put an extra guy in the box, dare them to throw the football, and have at it. Stop the running game, and you can pretty much shut down the Jets' offense. Because the quarterback right now has not proven capable of actually going out there and churning out yardage and moving the team up and down the field if he's asked to, with the exception of one drive that's still on Sunday. And then everything else reverted back to normal, right? You know, we talked about it on the show last night, 60 yards of offense through three quarters. 60. I walked longer than that from where I parked my car tonight to come into the studio. Except it didn't take me two hours to do it like the Jets' offense on Sunday. It's not good enough. And you know what? Joe Namath can have his opinions and, you know, some people think that maybe he was a little too harsh. Some people thought that he was spot on. Some people had no problem whatsoever as to what he said yesterday when he was on with the K show. But the fact of the matter is we're all watching the games. We're all seeing exactly the same thing. And I said it on the show last night, you know, Robert Sala could go up there after the game. And that's a difficult job to do. And address the media and address the fans. And and, while emotions are still running high, minutes after another disappointing performance, and he's got to explain away why this team, again, just can't seem to function at an average level when it comes to the National Football League on the offensive side of the ball. And as I said last night, you dive into some of his answers and his tone and what he was trying to say. He basically was protecting the player, protecting the locker room, trying to ensure that the room remains 
unified. Because what he probably wanted to say was, you know what, guys? I watched the same game as you did. What do you want me to say? Right? We all know what we're looking at. We all know that it's not good enough. But I can't come up here and tell the world that it's not good enough. Because then the locker room takes the cues from the head coach, and then all of a sudden it's open season in that room, which is the last thing that you want to have happen with 14 games left to play in the season. Right? That was happening a little bit last year when the team seemingly lost confidence in the quarterback, and they sent him to the bench. But this guy wasn't supposed to play this year. This was not supposed to be his show. This was a redshirt year for him. But the guy who was seemingly irreplaceable got hurt four snaps into the season, and now this is the reality. And yeah, you could talk about the defense, and he could talk about the running game, and he could talk about the wide receivers and all the other talent and help that's supposedly on this roster. He got a damn good punter and kicker, too. The quarterback is the conductor. He's the one that's driving the bus. And if he leaves his keys at home when he leaves the house for work in the morning, you know what happens? The bus don't move. And in three games, the bus is stuck in neutral. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. A lot of football again tonight. We'll sprinkle in some baseball, too. How about this? A former Met who was part of the um, trade deadline exodus for the Amazons has weighed in on the state of his former club with all those kind of rumors that were circulating late in the summertime. So we'll share some of that with you. You also have the Giants getting a little bit healthier, which is good news for them as they are going to begin preparation here in a couple of days for the Seattle Seahawks, a huge game on Monday night at MetLife Stadium. Mets and Yanks finishing up the baseball season this week. Both trying to play spoiler, actually. Yanks up in Toronto. Mets hosting the Miami Marlins. Those other teams are in wild card contention right now. So a lot of stuff that we have on the agenda till 9 o'clock, and we want to hear from you. Dan Grasso Show. It is a Tuesday, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I heard somewhere that it actually might stop raining one of these days. What are we up to, four straight days that we haven't seen the sun, essentially, give or take? I mean, we're getting soccer games rained out. Yeah. That's what I hear in my head when I've woken up like the last four days. 
Enough is enough. It's just like it's it's dreary, it's depressing, it's give me give me some sun. Anything. Something. Aaron Rodgers spoke today too. Pat McAfee show. We'll share some of that with you a little bit later on while he was undergoing another rehab session, trying to get that Achilles up to snuff as fast as possible. Let's say hi to our good buddy, Tino in Staten Island. He's going to be first up here on 9870 ESPN. Tino, how are you? How are you, my brother? Dan, you cracked me up, man. I'm driving, I'm driving to JFK Airport to pick up my, pick up my brother-in-law. He's coming back from his honeymoon in Greece. And with my wife, she's never in the car with me, by the way. No, man, say hello. Say hi. My wife's embarrassed. Say hello. Hi. Say hello. Hi. So, Dan, hello. quickly. Uh, yeah, she's she shy, Dan. What's her name, so, Tino? You cracked and her name is Ann. Ann. Hi, Ann. How are hey. you? Thanks for listening to the show tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <Dan>. you. <laughs> <laughs> she's, not, she's, not into, she's not into sports at all, Dan. Yeah. Zero. So, so Dan, you know what? I'm going to sit back for a second, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to give Zach the benefit of doubt. You know why I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt, Dan? He, he, it's malpractice the way they, they, they're coaching him. Okay. I mean, can we play to his strengths at least a little bit? Can we roll him out a little bit? Can we throw the deep ball? Things that he does good. Like one time we throw the deep ball, it was a Hail Mary, 65 yards. We almost caught it. You know what I mean? Can we throw a slant pass? I mean, it's check down, check down, check down. We don't play to any of his strengths, Dan. I mean, I know he's not that good, but if you're going to play him, play him. And then on this, another thing is, what about Hardiman? $6.5 million, Dan? He's played four snaps in three games. Yeah. How is that humanly possible? I don't have an answer. I, I don't get it. I, I don't have an answer on either. the Hardman one. Jeremy Ruckert, same thing. He's supposed to be the best blocking tight end on the I, roster. You, 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 you took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say Ruckert, too. Yeah. What's going on with him? Couldn't what, tell what you. about Gibson? Can we put him in a – how about Gibson? Can we put him in a slot? Yeah. Give him a chance? 100%. I mean, I mean come on. Tino, all These valid points. Look at the Gibson. But Dan, you know what the bright side is? I got one more thing for you. Yeah. One month away, we got we got Knicks basketball. One month, it'll be. You know, I'll tell you this though, and, and Tino, thanks for the phone call, my friend, and uh, my best to Anne, of course. Um, none of us expected to be sitting here and pining for Knicks basketball by the time you know we get to the middle of October, and that might be the reality in this town with the football teams. I mean, how much more worse could things get given the baseball season that we came off of? And now the football season is exactly stacking up to be something overly promising. But, you know, what Tino was just saying about playing to his strengths and all these other things, I mean, that's all well and good. That's great. That's fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's still up to the player to go out there and execute. All right? And play calling is a big theme. It's a big topic, especially in the postgame shows. Like, you know, a lot of fans call up all the time. And, you know, my buddy Greg has got a famous saying, you know, it's not about the play calling. And if you go back and if you look at the film, not like the TV, go go watch the coaches' tape, the All-22. There's plays to be made, okay? There are plays to be made. But it's up to the guy to deliver the football and to see the field, scan the field, make the right reads and throw the football and get rid of it quicker. So you can blame the coaching and blame whatever you want. At the end of the day, players play and coaches coach. The coach can't be out there like he's controlling a puppet. 
and 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 just immediately point and throw it. Throw it to this guy. Throw it. You can't do that. You could do that maybe in film study. You could do it in practice. But once the game starts, the guy's got to go out there and play. Iron Staten Island's up next. Hello, Ira. How are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. And uh, you know, one of those two snaps that Hodman got, he was could have had a walking touchdown if the quarterback saw him. And he was wide open. There was no defender anywhere within 10 yards of him. Yep. But he just didn't see him. But, you, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And, and you knew they were going to bring in somebody. And, and they hear people, you know, come oh, Trevor Simeon. At the end of the day, at this stage of the game, nobody's giving you a backup quarterback. Nobody's giving you a starting quarterback. There was a list, Matt Ryan, Wentz, Tom Brady, Joe Flacco. Trevor Simeon's been there. He's done that. You know what's going to happen here, Dan? They're going to open it up to Zach. He's going to throw three, four picks Sunday night, and they're going to be desperate to win a game in Denver. And if Simeon could pick up whatever type of playbook they give him this week, he's going to start the game in Denver. And, listen, he's not taking the Jets to the playoffs, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to calm things down because there's going to be a boiling point on Sunday night if things go wrong. And they're going to need a veteran like Simeon to go out there, just manage the game, don't make the mistakes. Play within whatever type of system they could get this guy up to speed. And and basically, honestly, I think he's auditioning for the backup quarterback job for Rodgers for next year. Because I don't think Zach's going to be part of his team next year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Simeon holds his own. They win a handful of games. He keeps his head above water. He's going to end up backing up Aaron Rodgers next year. He might. Ira, he might. Now, you know, the funny thing about it is, though, and, and I thank you for the phone call as always, you know, you sit here and say, well, how do you get your hands on somebody like a, a, a Trevor Simeon? Trevor Simeon was in training camp this year with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he lost the backup quarterback job to Jake Browning. People are sitting here saying, well, who, who's Jake Browning? Exactly. You know, and that's what we've been saying this entire time. It's like if you have a quarterback late in September who's available and he's out on the street, he's out on the street for a reason. Now, the bar has not exactly been set too high. And that might be one thing that does work in the Jets' favor. So you could say, Trevor Simeon, hey, sign him off the street, bring him in here whenever he gets up to speed on the offense and in the system. You know what? He might actually be able to move this team better than you've seen the last couple of weeks. You never know. As I said, last year with the Chicago Bears, he came into MetLife Stadium in the rain. He threw for 180 yards and a touchdown pass. Not terrible. That's about league average. And the Jets will take league average right now. And look, I understand, you know, we could say it until we're blue in the face. And if that happens, go see your doctor. That this entire scheme, this entire offense, everything was centered around Aaron Rodgers. Everything. For five months. Everything they did. The menu in the cafeteria was centered around Aaron Rodgers and what he prefers and what he likes. And everybody else had to just follow along. Not true. So he's down... And then all of a sudden, in a matter of a couple of weeks, you expect the entire offense to be reformatted to fit another player's strengths. And guess what? It's tough to duplicate what an Aaron Rodgers does and what he brings to the field. There's probably a handful of quarterbacks that could do the things that he's done. Not many even in the history of pro football. But then you know what? We watched the games this weekend, didn't we? Do you see what happened out in Arizona, right? See what Joshua Dobbs 
and the Cowboys or, or, or Joshua Dobbs and the Arizona offense did to the Cowboys, right? Josh Dobbs was acquired by Arizona a month ago. I think it was like the 24th or the 25th of August, something like that. He was in a training camp with a different team. So he had to come in, learn an offense, learn a system. And the Cardinals aren't any good. The roster from top to bottom is probably one of the worst in the NFL, if not the worst. And a Dallas defense, which gave up a grand total of 10 points the first two weeks of the season, to both New York football teams, by the way, got gashed by Josh Dobbs and that Cardinals offense. So a guy who's only been in the system for a month has gone out there and put up 28 points against the Cowboys, went 17-21 to for 189 and a touchdown. Week before that against the Giants, remember, played really, really well for like three quarters. Threw for 228 yards and a touchdown pass, put up four touchdowns against the Giants. Jets haven't scored four touchdowns all year. So it is possible. And so you ask yourself the question, if a guy like Josh Dobbs could do it with a bad football team, why is it not working here? That's a fair question. And maybe that's why somebody like a Trevor Simeon, who's been around the league, who's been in different systems, you know what, if this continues, somebody like him is probably going to get his shot in the not-too-distant future. Because there's only so much of this that you can withstand. And the coach could go up there and say, we support this guy. We love this guy. We're going we're gonna to cradle him. We're going to nurture him. We're going to support him. We're going to make sure that he gets the best possible opportunity to be successful. But you know what? It's a results-oriented business. And at the end of the day, if you're not getting the results, you could support somebody till the cows come home. But you know what's going to happen? You might not have a job when it's all said and done. Because the only thing that matters is winning. I can tell it's going to be a fun one tonight. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We roll till 9. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jets, the topic of conversation. Maybe we'll try to right the ship coming up on Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, our coverage will begin at 6 p.m., Greg and myself, with the pregame show. Guest galore. Joe Klecko going to be honored at halftime. He's going to get his Hall of Fame ring after being inducted into Canton, Ohio over the summer. And I believe, believe Joe's going to join us live on the set at the pregame show. So look forward to catching up with number 73. And who knows, maybe we'll ask him if he can play quarterback because something's got to give right now with this offense, that's for sure. Let us say hi to Anthony in New Jersey, up next here on 9870 ESPN. Anthony, how are you? Hey, what's going on? How are you? Good, Anthony. What's going on? Uh, Just a little bit of a cleanup item. Turns out Friday the uh, sky was not purple, and the San Francisco 49ers did, in fact, manhandle the Giants. 
So, uh, <laughs> yes, I, uh, I have to backtrack a little bit from last week. Um, I actually did come to my senses about an hour before kickoff, and I actually <laughs> used my survivor picks and took the 49ers. It's smart. <laughs> it's smart uh, money. There you go. But, uh, but, but yeah, they actually did hang in there for a couple of quarters, even though it was quite painful to watch. But, um, anyway, back to the Jets. You know, I'm just, like, looking at their schedule and scrolling through, and, you know, I'm trying to, like, pick games that, that they kind of put in a W column. I, I, I don't see more than four wins out of this season with the current structure of the offense. If they don't score them just 10 points, they're, just, they're not going to win games. So I, that goes without saying. It leads, you to the next, it leads you to the next question. Like, at what point do you say, all right, it's great that they're trying to, like, you know, bring in another backup, get some competition. But at some point, <laughs> do you even look at a quarterback in next year's draft? Well, I mean, like, you know, you look at some guys that they might be able to get, you're not going to get Caleb Williams unless you really tank. Um, you know, it would take a pretty historic effort to, like, maybe win one or two games the whole season. Um, but I guess nothing's impossible. Um, but it's not a bad idea. I mean, Rogers comes back, he's still 40. And, you know, you, you need a future franchise quarterback. So you, as, as bad as it, you know, you have to go back. You might have to go back to the draft again to try and get your future quarterback. Right. I, I mean, Even Anthony, that's – did- Let's put it this way. The way that they've started the season, and I thank you for the phone call, I I mean, all bets are on the table. Now, you don't like to talk in those terms three games into a year where you still have 14 to go, but what encouraging signs have you seen that this thing is going to turn around anytime soon, right? Or dramatically enough to where you are going to be able to make this thing interesting in November and December. Not if you can't score more than 10 points. You could could literally have the 85 Bears defense, and you're not going to win scoring 10 points. It is not. But it's a long season. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Right? Like that Baltimore Ravens team that won a Super Bowl with that great defense. They went through a stretch in the middle of the season. They went like four or five games or something without even scoring an offensive touchdown. And that's what led Billick to bench Tony Banks and to give away to Trent Dilfer. Not that Trent Dilfer turned into, you know, Dan Marino or anything like that, but still, it was better than what they were getting offensively. You know, the other thing, too, real quick, a lot of people are just continuing to harp on the fact that, oh, why didn't they make more of a concerted effort during the offseason to bring in an established backup quarterback? How do, you, how do you do that to yourself? How do you run an organization that way? How do you leave yourself with no wiggle room? You know, with a 39-year-old quarterback, if he gets hurt, you need to have an insurance policy. Okay, yeah, that's great. But one thing that isn't being brought up is the fact that it takes two to tango, does it not? You could talk about, should have signed this guy, should have signed that guy. I'll ask you a question. Any quarterback worth a damn who's a competitor and actually thinks something of himself and his abilities, who do you think is lining up to sign with the Jets when you know that Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback? And how dominant a figure and a personality he's going to be in that organization. Not bad. Not in a bad way. But my point is, you're never seeing the field. You don't sign someplace anticipating somebody getting hurt. So realistically, if you go to the Jets or any team that Aaron Rodgers is on, why would you want to be the backup quarterback if you think you can play and you want to play? You're not going to see the field. 
unless he gets hurt. It's not like he's going to go through a slump to where, oh, you know what? He's throwing too many interceptions. We got to put him on the bench and go to the bullpen. No. So anybody, whoever it was, whoever was available, they probably went to a situation where they said, let me go somewhere where I can play. Even Mike White. We talked about Mike White. Mike White went back to Miami because that's where he's from. But he went there because Tua is somebody, number one, who we didn't know if he would be able to still continue playing football last year when the concussion surfaced, right? So that's a distinct possibility. And he thought, well, you know what? There's a shot. But why would Mike White want to stick around the Jets if they knew they're bringing in Aaron Rodgers? He'd never play. But some of these other guys, whether it's, you know, a Jameis Winston or whoever, you know, they're going to stay in their current situation because they think, you know, push comes to shove, maybe I got myself a chance of getting on the field. Jacoby Brissett in Washington. Sam Howell, somebody who's an established veteran? When? Where? They might turn to Brissett soon. You never know. That's how this thing works. You can't just abduct a quarterback and say, you're going to be our backup. It doesn't work that way. Let's say hi to Danny in Long Island, who is up next here on 98.7. Dan, how are you? Doing fine. Just for the record, I'll be driving in the car alone. Okay, that's important. Not on the way to the airport. You can have an imaginary person there and talk to them. That's fine. We're cool with that. Yes. Now, listen, just before I talk about the Jets, you know, Josh Dobbs was drafted by the Steelers. Correct. I believe he was quarterback three or four. And Ben Roethlisberger, who we could all agree was not a heavy thinker, said he was the smartest man, speaking of Dobbs, in the room. Yeah, he's an aeronautical engineer or something like that. Correct. Yeah. And he wouldn't be dressed. He would be on the sideline with a clipboard holding the thing, talking to Roethlisberger between downs. The last time I thought about Dobbs, I said he's going to be an offensive coordinator. I thought maybe his career was over. So – he just proves to me, like Purdy, that the game is played above your shoulders. They can all make the throws. They all look great in pads. They can all run, jump, and, and you know, look great for the camera. But he's the smartest one on the field, and he understands what's trying to be accomplished, speaking of Dobbs, and he gets it done. Whereas the guy presently playing for the Jets, he doesn't have it above the shoulders. He's, he, he is too nervous, too antsy, too whatever. And let me just you know, let me give a tale of two teams. I think the Steelers were equally inept as the Jets the first week of the season. Questions about the quarterback. Fire the offensive coordinator. They come out Sunday night to Chris Collinsworth amazement. This is a completely different offensive blocking scheme. They are going three tight. They, may, they ran more three tight end sets in the game against the Raiders than they did the entire year previously. We are going to run the ball. You're not going to stop us. And it didn't run great, but it was a step forward. But you know what it did? A little play-action fake and a 70-yard touchdown pass. It had all of a sudden pickets rolling out. Another touchdown pass, running for some first downs. If it's not working, you change it. And I don't see that with the Jets, and that's coaching. You know, we, 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 li- we live through butt fumble. Now we have to live through the ghost sack where a human being threw himself to the turf like he was a soccer player who got breathed on or, you know, some NBA player who just got fouled shooting. It was it was mind-boggling. It's sad overall. We have about 16 more weeks of this, I think, or 15. It's just, I, I don't know. We don't know what we don't know what happened off-season in the conversations between Salah and Douglas. Who wanted this kid to be the backup? I can't believe Salah, who allowed Mike White jerseys to be worn or T-shirts, wanted this kid back. 
but he took his marching orders, and now he's standing up in front of that podium, and I think he's giving it to Douglas. He's our guy. We believe in him. Because Douglas is watching the press conference and knowing every word of it is a lie, and it was completely Douglas's decision to bring this guy back. Yeah, but, 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 but Dan, what could he say otherwise? Like I said, what if, if Salah goes up there after the game on Sunday and says, you know what, guys, he stinks, we need to get better quarterback play, but what are your options right now on the roster? And what are your options that, what, right now to go find a guy in the street, save for, let's say, a Trevor the, Simeon? And that's the fireable offense for whoever wanted to keep him. Because he, the, the, uh, that, that judgment of talent, along with the talent of the offensive line, is such an egre- egregious error that whoever wanted him, if Salah said, I want him back, I can fix him, you're fired. If Douglas wanted him back because he could fix him and Aaron Rodgers could lay hands on this guy's forehead, I don't know what they thought was going to happen, then he should be fired because it's such an egregious error. They cost them the season. There are other teams, like you said, Josh Dobbs was not the starting quarterback. Right? This is, people come in and they look like they played football before. This is, it's sad for the Jeff fans. we got people with their teeth flying out yeah. of their mouth. And it's week three. The biggest suspense this week is if Taylor Swift is showing up. You know what they got to do? They got to get my boy. They got to get my boy. The people from Fixident got to get my boy in the line and give him like an endorsement deal or something. Because I think that, 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 that that's a goldmine right there opportunity with my guy at the Jets game. But, Danny, thanks a lot for the phone call. I appreciate it. He, he, Danny mentioned one thing, too, with the offensive line. Like, that's a convenient kind of throwaway, like to point fingers at all the things that are wrong with the Jets. The offensive line is not the reason that they have the worst-ranked offense in the NFL. Okay, like we talked about this a lot last night. There was plenty, plenty of opportunity for a quarterback to go back there and see the field and to make throws on Sunday. Plenty. Like I told you, the league average that a quarterback has before he gets rid of the ball is a little over two seconds. He held the ball for three and a half seconds on average on Sunday. That's more than enough time. More than enough time. All right? Offensive linemen can't block forever. You can't. So... The problem is, is that if the quarterback is just going to hold the ball and is not going to trust his eyes and it's not going to trust his reads and is not going to have confidence in his ability to deliver the football without possibly making a mistake, that's how sacks happen. And by the way, Trevor Simeon, like I said, the year after Peyton Manning retired and he took over as the Broncos' starting quarterback, started 14 games that year in 2016. He went 8-6. Eight and six with a defending Super Bowl championship roster. Okay, good roster. When eight and six completed about 60% of his throws, 3,400 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Guys, if you project that type of quarterback play for the remainder of the season for the Jets, they have what? 14 games left, right? 14 games. If I told you right now, whoever the hell the quarterback is going to be or multiple quarterbacks will be from now till the end of the season, would you sign up for that as a Jet fan, knowing it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers? 60% completions, 3,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. Would you take it? You'd probably win some games if the rest of the team does what they're supposed to do. 800-919-3776. More of your calls. We'll also hear from the guy who was supposed to be the Jet quarterback. His latest appearance on McAfee earlier today. Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. Say hello. Hi. Say hello. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Rogers of Aaron was on the Pat McAfee Show today. Was asked how his rehab's going. 
It's been operating. I mean, there's been some good days and some bad days for sure. But last week was a good week of uh, recovery and had a good day yesterday. Sunday was the lightest day since uh, I started rehab and also the worst day I've had in a while. But yesterday was a good day. Today's a good day. I'm making a lot of progress. And every day it's like just a little something, a little less swelling, a little more movement, a little more mobility, a little more strength. So we're building it up and just a process. And what about some of those sideline spats that the cameras caught over the weekend, whether it was Garrett Wilson being a little animated there and, you know, Michael Carter getting into it with the running back coach. Sharon says the offense needs to grow up. There's been, I think, too many little side conversations, and we just need to grow up a little bit on offense and lock in and do our jobs, everybody, and not point fingers at each other, and that's everybody, you know. We don't point fingers at the coaching staff. Don't point fingers at each other. Just get back to work and get the job done. It sucks not being there. It's tough. It's really hard. I miss the guys. miss the leadership opportunity. miss balling, competing. I feel like, you know, if I was there, some of those, you know, things wouldn't be happening. Not sure we'd be 3-0. and oh. yeah, I don't know that. I'd like to think there's a possibility of that, but it's more the side stuff that I don't like and that I, I want to see us stick together through the tough times. I said it to him preseason. You know, our, our toughest task is to be handling success. And that's whether we're having success or not having success. It doesn't mean you're winning all the time and you got to handle it the right way. It's when we're not having success, how do we respond? How do we respond in adversity? And that goes for our fan base and former players as well. You're not helping the cops. <laughs> you're not helping the cops. And that's, you know, obviously in reference to the Joe Namath comments, among others, and, you know, the criticism, which are all fair, by the way. Right, which are all fair. It's a bottom line business. And they just haven't been producing to the level I think that people expect. Lastly, Rogers just reiterates that everybody's got to stick together. We have to understand the importance of manifestation and what we're putting out in the world. We also have to be realistic as well. We're not living in this rose-colored glasses world either. We're one and two. Been a couple rough ones. Defense, we played good enough to win that game for sure. That's a game we got to win. At home, defense giving up 13 points, we got to win that game. No doubt about it. But let's stay behind our guys. Let's support our guys. Let's support the boys on the field. Let's stick with our guys. And let's have a little belief. Because as we saw this weekend, anybody can beat anybody. And I've already seen we're almost double-digit underdogs at home against Kansas City and they're coming off a beat down in Chicago and blah, blah, blah. But it's a home game. It's Sunday Night Football. It's an opportunity for us to go out there and show what we're all about. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for our boys. And I'd like to see everybody stick together, our fan base, our former players, and our current players because too much negativity and the world is crashing down after three weeks. It's a long season, a lot of time, a lot of things that can happen. Let's just take a couple breaths. Okay, I'm not going to say we need to relax, but let's take a couple breaths. That's going to be some fun things on Sunday, I think. Well, and one of the things he also alluded to as well is, you know, you never know who you're going to see at the game, wink, wink, which, you know, there's a chance that he'll probably be in the building uh, for that game on Sunday night. He's not going to be on the field, of course. He can't be on the field because he's got to be out of harm's way. But I'm sure, you know, if he's at the stadium, he'll be up there in the, in the suite someplace. But... You know, if that's going to provide somewhat of an emotional lift for the team, I'm sure it'll, you know, if they show him on the Jumbotron, the place will probably grow, go crazy, you know, the fans and everything. But, yeah, we'll see. You know, little by little, you want to continue this process and just get him back in the building and around the guys, which probably is going to happen sometime in the next two weeks. As soon as he can start walking again is what he said. So you're probably looking maybe this week, next week, and then he can maybe – Continue his rehab here, of course, and then serve as a little bit of that, you know, sagey coach for whoever's going to be playing the quarterback position. But, you know, I, I, I try to reinforce this. Ever since the injury happened, 
Whenever somebody brings up the fact, well, why didn't you get a backup quarterback? How didn't you, how come he didn't have anybody more reliable? You can't plan for one of these disasters, right? You just can't. You might say you want to, but you can't. There's no replacing an Aaron Rodgers. There isn't. You never think that something like this is going to happen. And as I said, what quarterback worth a damn is going to voluntarily sign up to sit behind a guy who's one of the all-time greats and that it would have to take an injury for the only reason for you to get on the field and actually get some playing time. Quarterbacks are professional athletes. They're they're competitors. They want to play. They want to get out there. You know, Joe Flacco was, what, pushing 40 years old the last couple of years that he was here as a backup. But you know what? He'd be the first one to tell you, I don't like not playing. I still consider myself a starter in this league. But I'm going to be a good teammate, but I I still think I could play. A lot of guys think that. Mark in Jersey, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I got to just level set a little bit, though. I think I agree with everything you've said and what a lot of the callers have said. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't how do you replace Aaron Rodgers, right? The problem is lack of recognition around Zach Wilson. Can we please just acknowledge that he is not an NFL quarterback? He's not a starter. He's well, not a backup. well, who's we, Mark? Never, ever will be. Who's we? Have you? When you say like we recognize the game of football, who has a pair of eyes mm-hmm. right, and knows what they're watching every Sunday? He is borderline incompetent, right? He will never even be a backup in this league. So the sooner you recognize that, and while these guys like you, know, you the Trevor Simeon example you gave before, spot on, right? That's what you get out of a competent backup quarterback. Zach Wilson is nowhere near competent. And as soon as the Jets recognize that and can move on to a marginally better option, they will be in an incrementally better place. Well, at this point, Mark, let's be honest, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't know what more it's going to take before they examine option C. Because technically, Zach Wilson's option B, right? So what is it going to take for them to explore yet another avenue? Because if you go back to last year, and I know a lot, look, I, I know there were a lot of factors at play last year for everything that went down with him getting benched, okay? But if you look at the games that the Jets played, and yeah, they were winning a lot of them with Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. Let's go revisit those games. His first start was against the Steelers, had that great fourth quarter, won them a football game. Next week, they came back against the Miami Dolphins. They ran him out of the building because Teddy Bridgewater got hurt first play of the game, right? But that was, a, that was an onslaught. Then the next week, They went to Green Bay, beat the Packers handily, but the offense didn't necessarily wow you in that game. Remember, they had the big block punt, which led to points. Defense played outstanding. Zach Wilson threw for 110 yards in that Packers game, but they won. Next week, they go to Denver. They only put up 16 points. Remember how they scored? It was that Brees Hall long touchdown run. And then he ends up getting hurt, him and Elijah Vera Tucker, in the same game for the season. But the offense struggled in that game, too. Zach Wilson threw for 120 yards, and there was a lot of those crazy Tecmo Bowl-type plays out of the quarterback where he was running around, running backwards, and then kind of just throwing the ball up for grabs like, hey, guys, who wants it? Like a water balloon. Putting the offense in harm's way. Then they come back. So they're winning games, right? They're 4-0 with him as the starting quarterback, so you justify continuing to run him out there. Then they come home and they play that game against the Patriots, which they lose, and the quarterback doesn't play well. He throws for over 350 yards, ironically enough, but makes a a couple horrible decisions that are intercepted, which changed the momentum of that football game. Okay, so that was strike number one. Then the next week, 
They come back home, and they beat the Buffalo Bills, one of the best teams in football, and the quarterback plays okay in that game. So, again, you're like, all right, they're 5-1 and one with him as the starting quarterback. Then you get the bye week. Then they go to New England, and they have that disaster where they can only put up a field goal, and they lose on the walk-off punt return. But the offense doesn't move at all. So now you got a team that's good enough to win, but you're getting no production offensively. And then to make matters worse, he says what he says after the game about, do you feel like you let the defense down? And he said no. And then I guess that kind of angered some folks in the locker room and a change had to be made. So the point being is that there were signs that the offense was regressing even though they were winning games. The wins were masking the fact that the unit was still not performing at a high level. They were winning with other components of the football team. Now you're basically getting the same type of production or lack thereof from the offense, except the difference is is you're not winning the games. Right? And I guess the other difference is you had Mike White last year, a guy that they all knew could at least win you a game or two because he proved it the year before with the game against Cincinnati. But now Mike White's not here. Do they feel comfortable going to Tim Boyle? Do they feel comfortable turning it over to Trevor Simeon? Well, they felt comfortable signing Trevor Simeon. And I wonder how long it's going to take for him to get up to speed with the system. Once that happens, is he the guy that's going to be the first one off the bench to maybe spark this offense? I think, and I've been saying this all along, that you're not going to see any real decisive action until at the very least you get close to the bye week. But you got three more games. And they're not going to be easy games. You got the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year coming into your building. One of them, by the way, in Philadelphia, you've never beaten in the history of the franchise. And then you got to go to Denver with all the Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton stuff, certainly as the headliner in that one. And I know the Broncos are an absolute mess, but going to Denver is not exactly an easy place to play. I don't care who you are. And the real danger is you don't want to be 1-5 going into the bye week. You're 1-5 going into the bye Chances are, your chances are slim and none to make something of this season. That's why you got guys that are paid a lot of money to make these decisions. And what's the best interest of the football team? They're still trying to dig out of the worst case scenario possible to where the franchise player was lost four games into the season. And that's tough to pick up the pieces and just say, oh yeah, let's pivot next man up. Not that easy. Craig is in uh, Michigan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Craig, how are you? Hey, good evening, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear you're on the radio tonight. It's a surprise because I just tuned in, and uh, hey, it's Dan, so sweetness. Um, look, I, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the Joshua Dobbs point because if you didn't, I was going to. Uh, because when I look at, uh, you know, hey, could they get another quarterback, whether it's to bring in competition or just bring in a b- actual backup. If you believe in Zach Wilson that much that you want to throw your Dick Vermeil, Kurt Warner speech at me, um, we're going to play good football. We're going to rally right. around Kurt Warner. Okay. Well, he's not di- uh, Dick Vermeil and, and Zach Wilson's not Kurt Warner, but whatever, maybe they just want to back up. So I look hey, at it and I bring Craig, it. And I Craig, bring let's it. face facts. Like at the time, nobody knew Kurt Warner was going to be Kurt Warner, even Dick Vermeil. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no doubt about it. But, you know, I think Dick Vermeil was the kind of coach that would have gotten some results um, and certainly not what the previous caller was talking about. Hey, we could tank in this man. I'm like, no, you're not going to tank. You can't. Not no. with that defense. Too, too, too talented. They were going to win five games in their sleep. 
I mean, easily. So when I look at possible quarterbacks they could trade for, I look at, well, Washington, New Orleans, and uh, Indy, they're all 2 and one They're not trading their backup. They're either in the division lead or in contention for it. So you really only got Joshua Dobbs and Andy Dalton, which I believe that they – I don't even believe Bryce Young is really hurt. I think they just wanted to audition Andy Dalton because last year he threw – uh, four touchdowns, two touchdowns, and three touchdowns. I mean, he, uh, in three different games. So he he's showing, hey, I can play. And in, in his career, uh, three times over 25 touchdowns, a couple 4,000 yard seasons. You know, you were talking about Simeon stats. So I'll mm-hmm. throw some Andy Dalton stats at you. Um, so I think that whether or not they they need a quarterback, they really only got two choices that they could trade for. Because those certain teams I mentioned that are doing well are not going to trade their backup. And the other two teams might um, consider it. I think they definitely would consider it. But I want to ask you this because, you know what, you've always got a really, really keen uh, sense of reality. Um, Who do you think, and do you think, hey, you know what, forget Dalton and and Dobbs. You know what, Simeon's just as good as them. Or do you think that one of those two guys could actually take over that offense and be productive enough to, to get to a certain point in the season where maybe we could, you know, trade for Kirk Cousins or I say we, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Jets fan, but I, I'm definitely with you Jets fans there in New York because um, I, I, I love your passion for the team. Um, do, do you think that either one of those two guys could help the team um, more so than – to get you to a certain point, Craig, I mean, Craig, talking- Craig, Craig, I'll answer it this way. And I thank you very much for the phone call. It's going off on a tangent there a little bit. Let's face facts. Okay, and I'm going to try to say this as delicately as possible, in the nicest way possible. They're last in points. They're last in yards. They're last in passing. Anybody. Anything would be an upgrade the numbers don't lie but guys it's three weeks into the season I don't care if you're 0 and 3 nobody is pulling the plug on this season yet I mean look at the Arizona the Arizona Cardinals who I've said since the summer are tanking and they're not even apologizing for it they're tanking because they want to get their hands on Caleb Williams and that's one of the reasons why they cut loose Colt McCoy because they thought Colt McCoy would actually win them some games possibly while uh, Kyler Murray was rehabbing They cut him, they made the trade for Josh Dobbs, but you know what? It's like the old Rocky line. He doesn't know it's a damn show, he thinks it's a damn fight. Nobody told Joshua Dobbs that they're tanking, he's a professional. He's going out there to try to continue his NFL career, and he's played pretty well. Three weeks into the season, you're not getting anybody from someone else's roster. Trevor Simeon was available, and that's why they signed him. And that's what you're dealing with for the foreseeable future. 800-919-3776. We'll get to some Giants talk as well. They're getting a little bit healthier as they wait for the Seahawks to come into town for Monday night and a big game for them. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's Dan, so sweetness. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) Giants have been off for a few days because, remember, they went out to San Francisco and had a tough time against those Niners. No shame in that, right? I mean, the Niners are a beast, right, as we've talked about many, many, many times. One of three undefeated teams left in the NFL. Through three weeks, and for my money, the best team in all the land, the San Francisco 49ers. But Giants got a chance to regroup, and they got a big one coming up on Monday 
against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks team, which has found their footing, actually, after a bad start to the season. They've gone out there and won two straight games. They beat Carolina on Sunday. The Andy Dalton-led Carolina Panthers in week four that. Remember, they go into Detroit and beat the Lions team, which everybody has as the flavor of the month right now in the NFL. But this is a game for them that's big. And we know that they were banged up last week for that Niners game. And so to go into a battle like that, where you're not even close to 100%, you know, the result, I think, was indicative of that. But this is a game that the Giants could win, and if the Giants want to make something of their season, it's a game that they really should go out and have to win, to be quite honest with you. And I think that, you know, a good place to start would be the health on that offensive line for starters. Andrew Thomas, who didn't play in that game against the San Francisco 49ers, dealing with a hamstring injury, he was asked today out in practice if he's confident that he'll play on Monday. I am. We haven't, we haven't practiced yet, so we'll, we'll see once I get out there, but I, I am fine it's a little bit different, too, with Andrew Thomas, because remember, he's a left tackle. So it's a different story if, let's say, he was a running back or a wide receiver and maybe had a little bit of an iffy hamstring. He doesn't have to cover as much ground, of course, as um, as a wide receiver would have to. So I, I'd, I'd like his chances of going back in there, and that would be big for them, right? Absolutely, it would be big. Ben Bredesen, he's probably going to be cleared from the concussion protocol that he's been in the last couple of weeks there. So he'd go back to left guard. You know, it sounds like Marcus McKeithen's going to stick at right guard, and then you have Evan Neal. So that's going to be the offensive line. And, of course, Schmidt's the the rookie at center. That's going to be the O-line for this Giants team for the foreseeable future, barring any sort of injuries here. Now, what about Saquon Barkley? Will they get him back in the lineup against Seattle? But he's, he's really now, I'd say, in the day-to-day category. Uh, feels a lot better today. Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of take that all the way uh, throughout the week and see how he improves. And look, they need him. We know that they need him. And this is no sort of a knock on Daniel Jones and what he is or what he is in as a player. It's more about what gives you the best chance to win. And having Saquon a part of this offense, I, I, I think clearly would be a step in the right direction. Seattle does not have a great defense. It's actually one of the worst in the entire National Football League thus far. Any which way you want to measure it. They give up a boatload of yards through the air. And you know what? You look and you see their run defense is somewhat respectable. Yeah, you know why their run defense is respectable? And they only give up, you know, like 80 yards a game on the ground because everybody's throwing the football against them. You turn on the tape and you say, boy, what's the best way to pick apart this defense? It's called throwing the football. So this could be an opportunity for the Giants to get healthy in more ways than one, both in terms of the lineup and in terms of their season, because this Seattle team is beatable. But what worries me is that Seattle's done a decent job of putting up points here, especially over the last couple of weeks. And that giant defense so far has left a lot to be desired. So the giant defense has struggled. Seahawks defense is no good. I mean, we might see like fireworks on that scoreboard come Monday night. But anyway, you want to slice it. This is a big, big football game for the Giants. They're not winning the division. Seattle's not going to win the NFC West, which means you're both vying for a wild card as your best path into the playoffs. This could be a huge game, a huge game for them, if you're talking about potential tiebreakers down the end of the season. Giants need this game. They really and truly do. Because next two weeks, think, think about what the Giants have. Like we, we, we spend so much time talking about the Jets' first six weeks of the season. Look at what the Giants have after the Seattle game. They got to go to Miami and they got to go to Buffalo. Good luck with that. That defense, the way it's playing against Miami, which rolls out of bed and has already 30 on the scoreboard. 
Steve is in Brooklyn. He's up next year on 98.7. Stevie, how are you? Steve. Steve, going once. Going twice. Missed out on Steve. It's too bad. Thank you. AD's in the car. AD, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Grasso? How are you? AD, I'm doing outstanding. What about you? How's things? Um, I'm I'm doing okay. Now I have some crazy points for you. Oh, you might dis- you might disagree with me. AD, let me tell you crazy. something. We live on crazy. We thrive off crazy. So bring it. <laughs> I really feel I'm not a Jeff fan, but mm-hmm. I really feel Zach Wilson is the guy. Okay. Now I'm going to give you my point. The guy for what? I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think the Jets should give up on him. I think he's the guy. And I'm going to explain why. Okay, I've coached football in high school and um, Pop Warner. Now, anytime when you have somebody struggling, you have to make it simpler for him. And when I say that, I mean, if you remember back when the Giants had Jason Garrett and our offensive line was terrible, you know what we had to do? Hey, you got to get the ball out your hands really fast. One, two, three, out. One, two, three, out. You have to develop a scheme like that for him. He can't sit and hold the ball and try to think it's not working for him. This is, it's the same analogy as I told a guy that when you have a basketball player, he goes 0 for 7. You know what you tell him? Take some layups. Take some layups. And once he starts taking layups, he starts gaining confidence to get his shot back. Now he feels better when he can make a jumper. That's what I think Zach Wilson needs. He has to do a quick scheme that will open up the running game. I know, you know, a lot of people don't lost confidence in him. AD, but I really let me do. let me stop you for yeah. one second. I'll let you finish though. Okay, when when you're using the basketball okay. analogy, take layups. I'll th- I'll I'll counter with a basketball analogy. Okay. 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 There was there was two seconds left on the clock. The team was down by three, and he tried for uh-huh. a layup to try to win the game. <laughs> Isn't that what happened on that fourth and ten? Yeah, he checked yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah. He checked it down on a fourth and ten. He threw the ball two yards. I, I I didn't get that either. But to me, I don't know why the the, the coaching staff is not. They need to be in the film room, heavy with him, and try to see what he's seeing. Because obviously, he's not seeing it. I mean, if you have guys open and he's not making the throws. Something is going on, and I, I honestly put everything that's going on with Zach. Not everything, but it's coaching. They have to coach this guy no, out. Ad, you know what? Let me tell you something. And I thank you for the phone call. Seriously, I really appreciate it. Okay. You get back to us. Okay. Um, what more can the coaches do? You know, this is the NFL. This is this is the pinnacle of sports. It's professional sports. I'm so confused right now. You can't get to this level without actually being able to kind of have a handle on this type of thing, right? I mean, the stuff you're talking about coaching them up, that's like high school, maybe even college. But if you're at this level, you should you should have this stuff figured out already. How come the guys that are on the field can see exactly what's happening? And they come off to the sidelines frustrated. They could see it. The fans could see it. Everybody could see it except... The guy that you need to actually execute the plan is not able to execute it. So whose fault is that? And it's not like we're talking about year one, year two. Guys, this is year three. And I know that in a perfect world, he probably wasn't even supposed to be playing this year in year three, but you need better production. It's a bottom line business, and this is not good enough. Let's read, like, I'm going back to that game last year. 
that Mike White played against the Bears in the rain. And Trevor Simeon was the quarterback for the Chicago Bears that day, like we talked about. There were fans that were coming up to us. I remember doing the pregame that day in the coaches club. When, when, when word got out, I don't remember if we said it, somebody else said it, that Trevor Simeon was going to be starting that game for the Bears. There were fans down there almost throwing a party, thinking that the game was already in the bag for the Jets. Oh, if we can't beat Trevor Simeon, Mike, then we can't beat anybody. They were basically taking it as a layup. So now fast forward to today, this same quarterback, who you were reveling in the fact that you were going to get a chance to play back in November, is now on your team, and you're looking at him as saying, you know what, he's probably an upgrade. I think that should tell you all you need to know. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your calls. Anthony Beck in about 15 minutes to talk some football with us. Grasser Show till 9 on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I, I got to be honest. Like, two weeks in a row now, we've had two games on Monday Night Football. It's a little much. You know, because it's just, I, I'm sitting there and it's almost like my head is spinning. Like, what game should I pay attention to? This one, that one, I don't like it. And the fact that they overlap one another, like, I get enough of that on Sundays. Like, I don't need it again on Monday. Right? Monday Night Football is a, a standalone event. It's, it's, it's one game. Like, that's supposed to occupy all your attention. Like, I don't like the two games at the same time. If you want to give me one at, you know, 7 o'clock and then give me another one on the West Coast at 10, okay, that's fine. But the multi-game at the same time, I, I don't like it. I don't. And not to mention the fact that the games weren't even really that good. I mean, the Philadelphia game last night, you know, it is what it is. You know, Tampa wasn't getting anything done offensively. And then that Cincinnati Rams game, it was just both offenses were just tough to establish any sort of continuity. And so Philadelphia, Miami... And San Francisco right now, the three teams that are still unbeaten in the National Football League. And I don't know, the good thing, bad thing, I don't know how you want to look at it. I guess it's a positive. But if you're Philadelphia, you know, they're 3-0, and and they haven't, I don't even think, played close to their best football yet. Not even close. Starting with the quarterback. Like, they could actually be better. So if you haven't even hit your stride and you're still 3-0, and it's a good place to be. There's a lot worse situations you could find yourself in. Let's say hi to Tony in the car, who's up next here on 98.7. Tony, how are you? Hey, hey, Dan, what's going on, my friend? Tony. I, I, was, talking to, I was talking to your producer, and, I, I, and maybe you can yeah. shed some light on this. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, yep. the, the Jets have taken Sam Donald, mm-hmm. horrible, and Zach Wilson, horrible. What are they seeing? What are they seeing in college? What are they see? What are they seeing that these guys are the guys that are supposed to take them to this next level? I can't remember the last time the Jets had a franchise quarterback. Well, I mean, I mean what? He- yeah, he was on the radio yesterday here on ninety eight seven, and he said some pretty uh, enlightening things about the state of affairs. That guy, um, look. The previous regime were the ones that took Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was a guy that a lot of folks had pegged as the number one overall pick. Brown surprised everybody, went with Baker Mayfield, number one. Um, it's an uh-huh. inexact science, right? Picking a quarterback, especially that high in the draft, it's an inexact science. There's more swings and misses when it comes to the quarterback position than any other. Look, San Francisco is an organization that we think knows what the hell they're doing. Remember, 
They misfired on Trey Lance. They gave up a boatload of draft choices to move up and take Trey Lance. One pick after Zach Wilson had that work out for them, right? But they got a team, Dan. Right. You got to have a team. Well, I, I understand. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is, is that when it comes to the quarterback, sometimes you get it wrong. Now, in this case, when you look at Zach, it, it, it's not working out. But there was a lot of tools the arm talent is something that's undeniable, but that's not football. And the problem is, Tony, is that like you're never really going to know, right? You're never really going to know until you either put the film on or you get them between the white lines and you have the bullets flying at you for real. That's the only way you're going to be able to figure out if a kid has it or not. Dan, it's, 19, it's been 1969. They have got, not gotten it right since then. You've got to be kidding me. Well, I mean, there were there were spurts. Remember, Kenny O'Brien had a couple of good years, but he wasn't Dan Marino. But he wasn't Dan Marino, and that's going to also be the one that haunts them. Chad Pennington just couldn't stay healthy, but Chad was a winning quarterback. But unfortunately, he spent a lot of time on the sidelines and on the operating table. But you're right. Other than that, in terms of guys that they drafted, you know, Mark Sanchez took him to two championship games, and then things kind of went south. It's been tough sledding trying to find that next guy. Mark Sanchez was a manager. He wasn't a ball player. All right? That was a manager. He managed, he, managed, he tried not to mess it up. That's all Mark Sanchez was doing. But you know what, Tony? It worked. It worked for two years, right? And, and I thank you for the phone call. And I think deep down, right, in the unlikely scenario that played itself out, that's what they were hoping out of Zach Wilson with this current team. They believed in the roster, plenty of talent, just go out there and manage the game. Don't make a mistake. Don't screw it up. But the problem with that is when you're having that drilled into your head now for three years, I think it's starting to affect the play. And he can't tell me for a second that that's not creeping into the output that you're seeing from this quarterback right now. He looks gun shy. He's afraid to pull the trigger because to him, the worst thing in the world is making a mistake and throwing an interception. That's the fatal flaw in his mind because that's all he's heard for the first two years of his career. Why so many mistakes? Why so many turnovers? Don't make bad decisions. It's better to just throw the ball away and live to see another down instead of trying to make a play. And then what ended up happening? I said this last night. What ended up happening in that fourth quarter uh, on Sunday? Time was of the essence. You were down two scores, and they realized – Got to make something happen. We're running out of opportunities. And they put together, and he put together a drive, which was as good a drive as maybe he's ever had. Right? A fantastic drive. And they got into the end zone. And what was he doing? He was pushing the ball down the field. Made a couple of really, really good throws. That one that he squeezed in down the sidelines to Alan Lazard in the cover two was fantastic. That was the type of throw that you expect from a number two overall pick in the draft. It was there. But then it disappeared again. So the question has to be, where was that mentality and where was that emphasis and aggression that we saw in that one drive? What happened to it for the rest of the game? Problem is you're running out of chances. The team, the player, collectively. There's enough talent to win on this football team. But the production they're getting from the all-important guys, the quarterback position is the most important position in all of sports. 
The starting quarterback of an NFL team, think of it this way. He has the responsibility of essentially the entire building on his plate. Because if he don't work out, that means usually the team ain't going to work out, which means changes are going to be made. If it works, fantastic. Everybody thrives. Some people are able to handle it. Others aren't. As a matter of fact, the majority of them can't handle it. Anthony Becht, former first-round pick of the Jets, he'll join us. Coming up next, we'll talk a little NFL with him. Remember, we go till 9 o'clock tonight. Then it's Gordon and Larry. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>